Welcome to another episode of Lonely Town, a killer's podcast. Today we have a few members of the small choir that sang West Hills 3 on the Pressure Machine Deluxe version. We have uh, Tyler Hill, Jim Bennett, and Lachelle Hansen. Uh, so we just wanted to start by having you tell us, if you could, how you got involved. How how did this come about? Jim, you're up. Oh, do you want me to? Do you want me to take that one? Because yeah, I, I still don't well, know. So. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, okay. I, I guess I'm the only one that can answer that. I um. So I I have been working for several years now on a documentary about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints that's being directed by Robert Reynolds, who is the manager of the Killers. He's also the brother of Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons. Your podcast listeners probably know that. But, sure. Uh, but, but Robert and I have been working, and Brandon Flowers was drafted into service in this documentary and filmed some footage for it. Uh, I got to actually go meet him at his house, which was really kind of fun. He's got this gorgeous house in Park City. Uh, I got to, I got acquainted with him. I don't know Brandon as well as I know Robert, but as we were doing this documentary at one point, Robert said, Hey, you know, you're in the tabernacle choir, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, Brandon has this idea of doing a version of one of his songs, uh, to the tune of, if you could hide to Kolob, which is a, a Mormon hymn. And he said, do you think you could get the Tabernacle Choir to, to sing on it? And I laughed and I said, no, the <laughs> Tabernacle Choir wouldn't do that. And, and he said, well, could you get some people in the choir to sing on it? You just got a handful of people from the Tabernacle Choir to sing on it. I think that'd be fun. And I said, well, sure, as long as I'm one of a handful of people. <laughs> and so he said, okay, I want two tenors, I want two basses, and then I want one soprano and one alto. So I don't know why he wanted more men than women. But that was the size. And I've only been a member of the Tabernacle Choir since 2019. And that sounds like I've been a member for three years, but the choir took about 18 <laughs> months off for COVID. And I don't really know a lot of people in the choir. I, uh, you know, people ask me, hey, you're in the choir. I know somebody in the choir. Do you know so-and-so? And I say, well, are they a tall second tenor? Because otherwise I have no idea who they are. <laughs> so I was tasked with this and I uh, went, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I, I have Facebook friends that are in the choir for whatever reason. And I, I, the first thing I was like, okay, I've got to find women to sing on this. And I don't know any women in the choir. And Lachelle may find this a little creepy, but uh, she, she was my Facebook friend for whatever reason. And she had posted a, um, a video of her playing the theme song from Robin, the Disney Robin Hood and plucking the guitar. And I got a big kick out of that. And I thought anybody that does that is probably a Killers fan. And so why don't I just send her a message out of the blue and say, hey, how would you like to sing on a killer's song? And so that's exactly what I did. And I said, hi, you don't know me that well, but hey, would you like to sing back up on a killer's song? <laughs> and, uh, you know, Lachelle responded and said, you know, is this a joke? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, sure, I would love to. And, and Lachelle, you actually pointed me in the direction of a lot of the other people. You pointed me to Aaron, who's the soprano that sings on it. And I actually do know Aaron somewhat because we both came into the choir at the same time. So I sent a message to Aaron. I'd, I'd had 
Uh, Rob Gerlich, who is not on this call, but uh, I'd had some exchanges with him. I reached out to him and got him on here. And then Lachelle, I think, suggested Tyler. And I don't think I was Tyler's Facebook friend, but Lachelle said, hey, Tyler would be good. And I went, okay. So I friended Tyler. And then I sent him a message. Hi, we're Facebook friends now. How'd you like to sing on a killer's track? <laughs> and, and Tyler, I think, said something like, well, I'm really not one of the best there are certainly better tenors in the choir than I am. And I said, well, I know there are better tenors in the choir than I am, and I'm still <laughs> going to sing on it. So, so you could come and sing on it. And then I was scrambling to find one last bass. I actually reached out to another tenor who told me he was a tenor and I didn't tell him why I was reaching out to him. So he doesn't know how close he came to singing on a killer's track. <laughs> uh, uh, but then I, then, um, I, I was Facebook friends with Siope. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And, uh, and sent him a message and he got excited and, and it, it made me kind of feel like a big shot. Cause here I was dangling this opportunity <laughs> to sing with the killers with all of these people. And, but then it just sort of sat for a while because Robert, the timeline Robert had given me was, okay, we want to do this so that this deluxe album can be released around Christmas time. And Christmas came and went and I didn't hear anything from Robert. And I sent him a, a message saying, Hey, what's going on with this? And he goes, Oh, we're still working on it. And I was like, okay, all these people in the choir are going to think I'm some delusional idiot <laughs> because I've, I've asked them to sing on a killer's track. And then they've all said, yes, that would be great. And then nothing happens. But then he came back just all of a sudden was like, okay, we're going to do it. And it was the summer. It was in the middle of the summer. I think it was in July, if I remember correctly, but it was right in the middle of, of COVID. And, uh, or no, no, maybe it was, it was, it was like Labor Day. Yeah. Yeah. It was Labor Day. Okay. And, uh, I said, we're back on and got everybody arranged. And I went, okay, somebody better show up and better (laughs) be there. Or otherwise I'm going to look like an idiot. And we all go down to the studio and Brandon is there. And then I went, okay. I'm off the hook. Brandon's here. And so I, I don't look like the fraud. And we, we sang through this track. And I, I can't remember having more fun. It was just so much fun and so delightful. You know, I've always wanted to be a rock star. I do a killer Mick Jagger imitation. <laughs> I keep sending in my application to the Rolling Stones, and I still have yet to hear back. But this was just sort of a once-in-a-lifetime wonderful, fun thing to do. And, uh, you know, so that's the background, but I'd much rather hear from Lachelle and from Tyler about their experience with it rather than just monopolize it. But that's, that's how this all happened. So before you get there, do you have any clue that this is going to be, uh, what the song is going to be, what the rendition is going to be, or you show up and Brandon tells you, or somebody tells you, this is what we're doing. Yeah, for, for me, it was, I, I, I thought we were singing If You Could Hide a Kolob, and I thought, well, that's kind of a weird thing to sing on a Killers album, but I don't care. I'd sing Mary Had a Little M if you wanted me to. So that's what I thought we were singing. And so, and then we get there, and of course, I'd heard uh, West Hills off of the album, so I knew the lyrics, but, uh, you know, but we didn't have, it's not like we rehearsed. I mean, we walked in there, and he's like, okay, sing sing these and, and if you if if you're familiar with LDS hymns, you know it's like there's one note for every word, you know, and it's it, it lines up all perfectly, and it's really simple. And so you throw in like triplets and totally different, you know, it's just 
with no rehearsal and everything. It was kind of, it was kind of all of a sudden super fun, loved every minute of it. But I mean, I think we could have done better if we would have had half an hour to rehearse a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember walking in and they, they handed us the, the sheet with the lyrics and we had lyrics on one page. We had like the hymn music on the other and they, they were kind of coaching us through what rhythms and how to fit the lyrics in. And I remember singing through like that first time we all had our headphones. I, we couldn't hear each other very well. And I, we sounded atrocious and I thought they're going to kick us out. <laughs> they're going to regret this and we're going to, you know, but it, yeah, we, it, as we went through and sang it and kind of found our groove and um, it, it was great fun. A lot of fun. Did, did uh, Brandon give you any uh, notes or, or ways you want to do it? It's not often that you have a hymn music that has the words heroin there anything like that you know hillbilly heroin, hillbilly heroin yeah so was there any yeah. kind of guidance or was it just this is the tune and this no, he, he was actually he was singing at like what we were listening we could hear him singing so so it was kind of easy to it was easier to get the um the flow of what he wanted once we heard it a couple times it was harder to do the harmonies to it because you know where to break if you can see the the, the notes lined up with the lyrics and so that for me that was a little bit harder but in terms of, you know, we're, we're used to being in a choir where it's like the, the conductor knows exactly what he wants and he's got it all mapped out in his head and he's like, okay, we need sopranos a little bit more, tenors less, you know, I mean, and so there wasn't a lot of that. It was just kind of like, it sounds good, maybe sing a little bit louder if you can, you know, it, there was very little um, coaching. Uh, I don't think being a choir director is his forte, but, but well, you know. Yeah. They, they did double track us, which ended up being a saving grace. I being the only alto there, I I was really glad to have you know Aaron by my side and and then the double tracking, so it wasn't quite as obvious when I crashed. Yeah. So when did Jim re first reach out to you? Do you know what what time frame was that? Oh gosh, I don't remember. It was it it could have been like a year ago. It it was probably about a year ago. Yeah, and I, I I feel really silly admitting this now. Like when you know, I I was aware of the Killers. I you know I hadn't been following them for the last two decades, but I I knew they were big and I knew some of their big hit songs. But I when he reached out to me, there was part of my brain that was like, surely he's not talking about like those Killers. <laughs> surely there's like some lesser known group also called the Killers. And I I actually went and googled the Killers. Like, is this really <laughs> like the Brandon Flowers, the Killers. Um, yeah, and that, and like he said, like it was months before anything really came of it, but I don't know, it, it was worth the wait. It was just, it was a really neat experience. So all of you are members of the, of the choir. Did you have to get any permission to do this or is it separate projects or fine? Uh, anything like that come up? No, they 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 did ask. I think uh, if if they could list us as the Tabernacle Choir in the credits, and um, Jim asked about that, and they said no. <laughs> yeah. Other, other than that, there hasn't been any any conflict, any problems with. No, 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 no. No, and I I know that Jim kind of asked like, is it okay if we do this? And I I think one of the stipulations was well, you know, as long as it's clear that this is not the choir, you know, it's it's perfectly fine to. Yeah have you know side gigs and things yeah so one of the questions i wanted to ask was how well you knew each other uh before the recording jim mentioned you know how he knew each of you or how we came to know each of you how many members are in the choir 360 ish yes. depending on the 
who's retired and come in lately? Well, so the odds of knowing maybe even a quarter of the people would be difficult. So Lachelle, did you know any of the other members of this group before? Um, you know, I, I knew Aaron. Um, I was good friends with Aaron. I knew Jim and Tyler mostly just from like goofy Facebook posts. Um, that, that's really the only interaction that I'd had with, with most of them. Lachelle and Tyler, how long have you both been members of the choir? Um, I joined in 2017, so five years. I was, yeah, I was in from, I was in from 2010 to 2015, and then I left for, for three years and came back in 2018. And like, like Jim said, you know, on paper, it looks longer than it really is this, since I've been back because of that huge uh, break. So how did the, the final version that came out on the album, how was it different than what you maybe expected when, after you finished recording? Well, we thought, it was, we thought we were going to be singing backup. Um, so it was quite it was quite different than what we expected. And I think Lachelle said if they were going for a the, the Nephi Eighth Ward Choir or something like that, uh, they got the sound they were looking for. Um, we all expected Brandon to at least yeah. be on track. That was a shock. Yeah. There is a version out there somewhere that has Brandon singing and has some other instrumentation and some, you know, that's what they played when we were recording it and thought we were singing back up to it. And it was a mixture of thrill and panic when I heard the final track because I thought, <laughs> wow, it's just us. And then it was, wow, it's just us. You know, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, there's some groaners in there where I go, oh, geez, we didn't quite hit that one. Oof. You know, and I thought we could bury that in the mix a little bit, but there is no mix. It's just us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have a, a friend who's a big Killers fan who said, do you realize that you guys are the only people to sing lead on a Killers track besides Brandon Flowers? So you should be, you know, you're a rock star now. And I went, well, geez, <laughs> if this is my rock star debut. I really wish we could have polished it a little better. <laughs> Yeah, I think the idea behind it was probably to be unpolished and give it more of that uh, a neat feel versus the uh, Tabernacle Choir grand experience feel. But was right. there other band members present or was it just Brandon at the time then? Uh, Ronnie came in. Uh, um, yeah, he came in. The, the only thing I remember him saying is none of, none of you efforts better have COVID. I, par I, paraphrase, I paraphrase slightly, but um, <laughs> that's all I remember him saying. He seems nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Ronnie does live in Utah now in Park City, but uh, he's not affiliated uh, with the church. He didn't grow up around here in the culture. So, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Tabernacle Choir or Ward Choir would probably not really be up his alley to, to uh, yeah. So I was wondering what his take was on that. So I guess that, that kind of stuff. I mean, he sat and listened to it afterwards and, you know, he, it seemed like he was having a good time, but he didn't. He didn't interact with us um, like like Brandon did. After we were done, we all went back into the control room, and they played us a very rough cut that just had all of the tracks there, and it was it was a little bit muddy. And I thought they're going to clean this up, but that's what I assumed the final track was going to sound like, and uh, and it it doesn't sound anything like that. I mean, we were not. I I was not prepared for what the final track was going to end up being. It was, it really was a surprise. And I, I have grown to like it. You know, for a while I was like, this is almost embarrassing. And I remember I called Robert Reynolds and I said, why is that? 
why did you use this? And he said, because that's what sounded the best. He says, and we wouldn't put it out if it didn't sound great. And we thought it sounded great. And Brandon thought it sounded great. He says, this was absolutely Brandon's favorite uh, version of it. They went through and mixed several versions. And I went, well, okay. And uh, so far, nobody's come and thrown anything through my window in anger. So it seems to be fairly well received. So the first time you, you heard know, the final whatever. version was the day it was released? The day it was released, uh-huh. Wow. Actually, I heard it. I got on a VPN and listened to Australian YouTube. So I heard it the day before it was released in the United States. I heard it when it was released in Australia. So there's a part of the final version that has some uh, some instrumental, but sounds like that was recorded beforehand. That wasn't done at the same time. I think they may have changed yeah. that. I don't remember that. Well, it, I'm not quite sure. They had some instrumentation. And I mean, th- there was sort of like a woman howling in the night kind of thing. I mean, it had this sort of mystical feel to it that I quite liked. Uh, and that was all gone. At one point, actually, Robert called me and asked me, do you know anybody who can play the organ? Uh, and I said, I do. And I recommended somebody who plays the organ. And they said, okay, so how long have they played with the Tabernacle Choir? And I said, oh, no, this person does not play the organ with the Tabernacle Choir. And they said, oh, we're not interested in that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so there was going to be an organ track. But if it wasn't a Tabernacle Choir person, they didn't necessarily want them. After it came out, so the Tabernacle Choir has a new president. You know, there's a president of the choir who just sort of, I'm not quite sure how to define what he does because he's not involved musically in the choir, but he manages the business of the choir or is kind of the face of the choir. And the current choir president is a man by the name of Mike Levitt, who's the former governor of Utah, and he was also the Secretary of Health and Human Services in the George W. Bush administration. Uh, so he's fairly prominent, and he's talked about the idea of, okay, we want to expose the choir to new and exciting avenues and all this kind of stuff, but we want to do things differently. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to talk to Mike Levitt about seeing if we can credit the choir on this track. Yeah. Uh, they'd asked me, they, they'd said, okay, we want the names of everybody that's on the track, and we also want to credit the choir for the track. And I said, okay, I'll go back and I'll ask. And uh, I actually know Mike Levitt uh, outside of the choir. I I come from sort of a political background. My father was a former senator uh, from Utah and Mike Levitt actually spoke at my father's funeral. And so I called my mother and I said, can you give me Mike Levitt's phone number? Choir members aren't (laughs) supposed to call the choir president, but she's like, oh, sure. So I call Mike Levitt. And he was very gracious and talked to him. And I said, okay, well, we want the, to credit the choir. And he said, no, he said, absolutely not. He asked a little bit about the track and there's one, you know, the lyrics in this track are not necessarily lyrics that would be sung by the Tabernacle Choir under any circumstances. You know, the, the, the one line about we went out into the, with hillbilly heroin pills <laughs> was especially fun to sing <laughs> but you're not going to hear that in general conference. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so he said, no, it's, it's, he said, but uh, I like the fact that you've got some kind of connection with the killers. And I think Brandon Flowers had just sung at Harry Reid's funeral. Yeah. Harry Reid being the Mormon senator from Nevada. 
and Brandon went and sang at his funeral, and, and Mike Levin said, I didn't know him anything about him before that, but was very impressed with him then. And I would love to get the choir involved uh, with Brandon somehow. And I went, I think that would be great. And I had visions of, okay, we'll have Brandon as a guest artist with the choir. and We'll do all kinds of fun stuff. And, and Mike Levitt kept saying, well, no, we don't want, I mean, that's just, not, maybe if Brandon would just come and sit in with the choir one night and in a rehearsal and we'll take a picture of him. And I went, oh, really? That's all you want to do? I mean, there, I, I just think there'll be so many exciting things to do if the choir were open to a collaboration, because I think Brandon would be open to a collaboration. Brandon loves the church and loves the choir. And uh, I think that would be so much fun. And so I'm going to continue to lean on Mike Levitt as the days go forward and, and maybe something will materialize. But, uh, but the reality is that the choir, we weren't allowed to credit the choir. So it's just our names. It doesn't say members of the Tabernacle Choir, but all of us are members of the Tabernacle Choir. Uh, I mean, the choir's done uh, collaborations. You know, I went and saw uh, James Taylor with the choir uh, a few years back. You do the Christmas programs. Um, so a lot of the people listening probably aren't familiar with the church or how it operates or, or the choir. They probably heard of it, but it wouldn't be uncommon for, for a guest to come and perform with the choir someday. So uh, hopefully that door's open. That would be, I mean, that would be amazing. Well, it's, it's not uncommon for guests to perform with the choir. We just had Sissel from Norway, who's collaborated with the choir a number of times, and she came back and, and we actually recorded with her. We recorded um, some songs for her for her album. Wow. And uh, so, uh, so I think the reticence, at least from the choir's end, is in the idea, uh, I mean, the killers just aren't, this isn't music that you would sing in church. This isn't music that you would sing in Sunday school, but the people like James Taylor being a good example, the choir collaborates with people who outside of their collaboration with the choir uh, sing things that wouldn't be sung in church necessarily. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and, and I think that, it, I, you know, Brandon is so extraordinarily talented that uh, I think this would be a real missed opportunity for the choir if they didn't try to do something. So from uh, the pictures that I saw, it looked like this was recorded at June Audio in Provo. Is that correct? I think so. I don't remember the name of the studio. Do you guys remember the name of the studio? It's June Audio. It's just a house that's been converted to a studio? There. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure I was at the right place. And I walked in and I was the first one there. And, and Brandon was just sitting there as casual as can be. And I was trying to act like this was a common occurrence for me. I was like, hey, Brandon, how are you doing? I just happen to know your name because I know people's names. That's one of my talents, you know? Um, and I was just praying that somebody would get there soon because I'm like going to have, you know, full-blown panic attack in front of Brandon Flowers. But that didn't happen, so that was good. And trying to make that small chat but not seem too awkward. <laughs> yeah. Get kicked out I'm of the sure, I'm, I'm sure he sees right through it. It happens to everybody he meets probably. But, uh, yeah, I was, I, I'm a huge Killers fan, and so it was, like, hard not to just fanboy out on him. So Tyler, I, on that topic, I, one of the reasons I reached out to you of all the members of the group was uh, I got a sense that you had been a Killers fan and I, I couldn't tell from everybody else. Could you tell me you, you lived in Vegas or something? Can you tell? Yeah. So yeah, I lived in Vegas from 2000, 2001. Yeah. 
2009. Um, so that was right when they, I, I think, I think Hot Fuss came out in like 2004, I want to say something like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so, and it was just, you know, it was this, this band that was from Vegas. So everybody's all excited about it. And, but beyond them just being a local band to where I was at the time, I just, I was so enamored. I mean, I felt like, I felt like a teenager listening to them, you know? Um, and I was like in my thirties. So it's not like I was anywhere near to being a teenager. <laughs> I was like, you gotta hear this band. I'm like listening to them whenever I go running. So, and then I went to the, it's one of my favorite concert memories. I went to the Hot Fuss concert and the, you know, this is their, their only album. And they, they sang every song on the album. And then they sang one David Bowie cover. I can't remember what it was. And then they just said, okay, that's all the songs we know. And they just walked out. There was no like, there was no like clap for 20 minutes until they come back and everybody screams. It was just, all right, see ya. <laughs> I was just like, that's awesome. But, um, but yeah, so I've, I've been, uh, been a big fan since they came out. So what do you think about Pressure Machine? I like it. I mean, you know, for me, their 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 highlight was Samstown. That was the best album. That's probably one of my top five favorite albums of all time. And then they kind of like got into this kind of, I don't know, almost jazzy kind of, I don't know, kind of softer vibe for a while. Um, and Pressure Machine is a little bit more the killers that I like. It's still kind of, you know, it. You can't you can't really win as a as a band, right? I mean, either you stay the same and everybody's like, oh, it's just the same thing after another, or you change and everybody's like, oh, I want the old, I want the old whatever you were back. Um, so I do miss the uh, the Samstown era, but I enjoy it a lot. Um, you know, you really get that uh, Bruce Springsteen kind of vibe, this kind of like American rootsy uh, feel that I, I really like it. I just don't like it quite as much as Samstown. Are you originally from Utah Lachelle? I don't think we've heard um, the other yeah. guy mentioned where they're from, but. Yeah, I, I'm originally from Utah. I grew up in Taylorsville. So what did you think about the pressure machine and, and that concept? You said that you had to kind of Google to catch up with the killers a little. Uh, yeah, well, Google really doesn't but... catch up with the killers so much as just to wrap my brain around the idea that like, yes, that was the killers that Jim was referring That's to. That's who you're performing oh, with. Yeah. I was familiar with, you know, like the early Mr. Brightside, obviously, like somebody told me, but I like since then have gone back. I, I really enjoyed just the kind of the storytelling aspect of Pressure Machine. You know, that there's these there's these tragedies that he's singing about, but it's it's such a beautiful expression at the same time. And I, I think Brandon has a gift, especially in lyrics for storytelling and bringing a lot of emotion to to the stories that he tells. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I yeah what do you guys i guess collectively probably all have different opinions but uh kind of the small town utah feel but also putting uh the church and kind of the culture of, of utah in there uh did that strike home did you find that you know to be something that you're familiar with uh was on point or was there some points where you thought okay this this might be a little bit exaggerated or or i can relate to this i can relate to like it seemed pretty accurate painfully accurate sometimes uh from the from the small towns that I've that I've been in um, more so that you know especially you know like like the everybody knows everybody and you're you know you're kind of your sins are out there for everybody to see type of aspect of it I think is more applicable to like really small town USA not just not just LDS culture not just Utah just just you know you get these little communities that 
you know, some people are going to love them and it's going to be the time of their life. Some people are going to feel judged and like they, they don't, uh, you know, and, and I think they nailed that. Um, I think a little bit of exaggeration is usually appropriate to bring emotions to the, to the forefront. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I, like some of the things on it, I, I'm not like proud to be like, yeah, that's, that's what our culture is like in Utah by any means, but, um, but not because it's not accurate. Uh, what about West Hills specifically now that you are the singers of West Hills three, you have a favorite part of West Hills. For me, the line at the end, it was it he, he will reject my actions, but he will be my heart. I, I remember recording that line and Aaron just turned to me and pointed to the lyrics on the page that we were singing. And, and we just had this moment of, oh my goodness, that, it, that is so beautiful. It, for me, that was, that was the line that really stood out to me that I really loved. Yeah. And, and like the whole song, I, I enjoyed the song the first time I heard it, but it was, you know, it's, you know, you're listening to a brand new killers album and I'm just kind of going through the songs, but like Brandon, you know, just sat down and told us the whole story about his friend who, uh, you know, got into, got into drugs and then started dealing drugs and then got caught and then it ended up killing himself. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's not just, you know, I, I like to write songs, but 99% of them is they're pure fiction, you know? I'm, I'm like at a point in my life where nothing like dramatic is happening. So for him, you could just tell how much it meant to him. I mean, obviously it meant a lot to him. He made three versions of these the same lyrics, you know? But I just, you know, after him telling that story, now when I listen to the song, I'm just like, why didn't I hear this before? You know, it's just, it's a different experience knowing that it's a true story and it's just straight from the heart, you know? Well, now that we've spoken, I really hope for a West Hills version that's sung to Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. I think that would be awesome. Sign me up. <laughs> when I first met Brandon, I actually met him over the phone. Uh, I, I had been on a podcast talking about the church, and Robert Reynolds called me and said, Brandon Flowers really liked you on this podcast. Would you be willing to talk to him? And I think I'm the old fogey in this group. I think I'm older than than uh, both Lachelle and Tyler by a number of years. But I, I said to Robert, the only song I know of the Killers is the one that I played on Guitar Hero. And Robert said, you need to tell Brandon that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so Brandon called me and we had this wonderful conversation. He just seemed like he was a very sort of unassuming, friendly guy. And we had this nice chat. And I said, well, you know, the only song I know of yours is the one I played on Guitar Hero, which was when we were young. And he laughed. And my kids, I told my kids after that, and they said, what did you say? You <laughs> idiot. That's what you said to Brandon Flowers? You know, and uh, and since then, I mean, since that, I, I decided to get into the killer's music. And I'm a huge, I'm from the era, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. And the thing that resonated with me with, with the killer's catalog was how Springsteen-like it is. Although I think that uh, Brandon has a better voice than Bruce Springsteen does. And when I was at his house, he has a, a huge portrait of Springsteen right above his piano. And I just started talking like, you know, oh, yeah, I just love Bruce Springsteen. And then Brandon's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do too. But, you know, when we went to this place and did this. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> this is your world. I'm talking like a fanboy, and you. So my wife now is a huge Killers fan. We're all Killers fans, and I thought West. I thought uh, Pressure Machine was intensely personal and really lovely because it was so personal and confessional. 
you know, Brandon is just bearing his soul. And I, I remember talking to Robert about the album and I said, is this selling as well as the other killers albums? And he said, no, it's not, but that's okay. Because I, I think it's really expanded Brandon's reach as an artist and expanded his credibility as a songwriter. And I think that's true. Yeah. So Brandon sat down and, and kind of told you the backstory of the West Hills. Uh, was there any discussion as to why he picked uh, Can You Hide a Cola music? Any any connection to him or or thought on that? Well, no, and I think I misled everybody because they did tell me. They said, we're going to sing If You Could Hide a Cola. And I thought that's what we were going to sing. We were going to sing the actual hymn. And I thought, I'd love to hear Brandon Flowers sing If You Could Hide a Cola. It's one of my favorite hymns because it's kind of freaky and strange compared to other hymns. And it also ends on a minor chord, which most other hymns do not. So I always loved that hymn. And so, yeah, I told everybody you're going to sing me if you could have had a collab. And when they were handed the lyrics to West Hills with hillbilly heroin pills, I was like, oh, I hope everybody's okay with this. But uh, everybody seemed to be. And I, 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 I'm not sure who it was that suggested printing up the West Hills lyrics and pasting them in every hymn book we can find. So that becomes the new version of If You Could Hide a Colob. But that was discussed on the day of the recording. Have you had uh, other members of the choir or just family and members in the community give you any feedback on, on their thoughts of this rendition? Uh, no, really. Not, at least not on the choir. Although we, we, I, I think I asked everybody, because I didn't want to... I didn't want to go to members of the choir that I knew and say, well, have them say, well, why didn't you ask me to sing this? <laughs> and, and so everybody who, uh, Brandon said, you can go ahead and post this on social media. And everybody posted about it on social media, but nobody really tied the choir to it. Okay. So I don't know that a lot of people in the choir are even aware of it. Uh, maybe we should change that. I, I've had some relatives reach out to me uh, and say, it's really cool. Like, you know, and I really liked it, but I mean, I don't know how widely it's reported that we're involved in it beyond the people we've told directly. So we might be breaking news here is what you're telling us. <laughs> oh, maybe. Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, you know, Tyler and, and Lachelle, what's your family's feedback or friends feedback been on the song? My, my family's feedback was, their reaction was similar to mine. They're just like, oh, that's what happened, huh? I mean, <laughs> I think I probably like it more than my family does, honestly, just because I think it's got this cool rootsy, you know, lo-fi old choir sound. But um, yeah, I mean, my, my, my family are huge Killers fans too, and they were hoping that I was going to be singing on a Killers song, and we're just singing a little choir number, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so... I'd be lying if I said they loved it, but um, I love it. Yeah, I, I think my my mom listened to it just because she loves me. She, you know, <laughs> fan doesn't know that they exist, but you know, she listened to it and you know, wow, that's that's great, good job, I'm proud of you. Um, you know, honestly, most of the feedback I got from friends was not so much about the song; it was more like, how on earth did you land that gig? <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, I I knew a guy and. Um, yeah, the, the song itself, I, I really haven't heard much from people on the song specifically, but yeah. Have you, have you guys heard feedback? Podcast uh, posts? Uh, is that, I mean, 
What was your reaction when all of a sudden you're listening to the deluxe album and there's this weird choir singing new tune to West Hills? Well, I've had the reaction. People either love it or hate it. I think if you're familiar with the church or grew up in the church, you might tend to like it a little more because you're familiar with uh, with the song uh, of Heide Kolob and the backstory there. And, and you're probably a Killers fan. My mom asked me, why did he do this? Uh, I don't think she was... I don't think she was the biggest fan of, of it coming out, almost thinking that might be a little sacrilegious, but, uh, you know, we had a discussion. I think she probably likes it now. <laughs> I like it. I, I thought it was, it was unique and it was, it doesn't get more Utah, small town, Utah than a ward choir. And that was the idea of the album and what he was going for. So I think they nailed it, especially just having you guys do the, the track and the vocals without Brandon in it. I think if I would have opened the album, um, it really would like if it was a movie and you're trying to paint a scene, uh, to me, that is the way to open it and paint the scene. So I think you guys did a, a wonderful job on it. Yeah. I think I've, I've seen similar reactions that, uh, killers fans from Utah have, have like, but not everyone from around the world has. And some of the ways that I see reactions to it are on, on Reddit. And that's where I first found out about this version was someone had, had found Jim, they'd found your, I guess, a Twitter post of the picture on the day of the recording saying, Hey, there's some Rennie for mayor in Utah that singing backup for the killers. And then someone else. Yeah. I ran for mayor and I lost by 21 votes. So oh, yeah. that's still a little of a sore spot, but that's all right. And then uh, somebody else, uh, somebody else posted from Tyler. Someone had seen your selfie with Brandon. We just kind of waited, you know, a lot of the things with this podcast, we've known things were going to happen, but we just had to wait until it came out because it hasn't made sense to talk to somebody before they're allowed to talk about it. So uh, we had just kind of been sitting on it till it came out. So we were excited when that happened. And then, uh, you know, that's where a lot of the reactions I've seen are on, on Reddit uh, where people will just, you know, the, the purpose they go on there to, to talk about the killer's music and what they like and don't like. And I think that's what I've seen is, is mostly, it's not everybody's favorite. That's uh, from not from Utah, but it's an acquired taste. Yeah. Well, it was certainly a lot of fun on on my end, at least. And, you know, I, I'm open. If the killers need anybody to sub for Brandon, I'm happy to step in. I can sing songs that are in Guitar Hero or not in Guitar Hero. <laughs> was it hard to keep it a secret for so long? I don't know that we had to keep it a secret. I, well, uh, we were allowed to say that we'd recorded it, uh, but we weren't allowed to, like, you know, give details about the recording or release any part of the recording. But, I mean, that wasn't really a big issue. Uh, the paparazzi weren't stalking any of us, as far as I know. <laughs> you, but, you guys are the closest stalkers we have, and it, it made me feel like, you know, pretty, pretty pumped. Anything uh, about the recording or about the track that maybe the average listener wouldn't notice as, uh, I'll call professional musicians, that you think is special or, or unique about the track? The thing that I loved is is like doing like super, super home, you know, production music stuff that just as a hobby, I liked how similar it was on the big scale. Like I was expecting, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I've never been in a professional, like, I mean, I've been in studios before that are like, Hey, you can come rent our studio. And you, you can probably rent that one too for a lot more money than I would, but it just seemed like, you know, the way Brandon was working, it just seemed kind of, it, it seemed very familiar, like, yeah, try this. And I don't know, just kind of off the cuff. And I don't know, it just, it felt, it felt very natural and not that far removed from what I tinker with quality wise way, way it's far removed, but like the actual process, it just seemed very familiar to me. And I, and that, uh, 
that was exciting to me. How long was the process? Was it a half day? Was it an all day? Was it a couple, couple, like 45 minutes? It was fast. It was fast. It was about two, three hours or so. It really wasn't that long. (laughs) It didn't seem that long to me. It seemed like it was over in a flash. It, I think it was a couple hours. It, yeah, it felt like it was over really quick. My family was at Lagoon that day. And, uh, I went, I said, I'll join you after I'm done, you know, singing on a track with the killers. And I did. I, I came back to Lagoon after it was done. And I just spent the rest of the afternoon just like floating on cloud nine and boring everybody to death with, hey, look at me. I was on a killer's track. And I think I stopped random strangers to tell them too. And I can't remember. I was just having so much fun. Jim, you were talking about a documentary earlier that uh, uh, Reynolds was doing that Brandon was uh, helping film and, and uh, work on. Yeah. Our, uh, our listeners yeah. are going to kill me if I don't ask about this. So uh, what details can you give us about any of that? I don't know details I can give you about it. It's gone through so many different iterations and so many different... The idea now, at one point we were talking about releasing it as a documentary documentary much along the lines of Believer. Are you familiar with Believer? It was an HBO documentary that Dan Reynolds was involved in, and, and Robert was the producer of Believer. And we were talking about doing a two-hour film that we would release in um, uh, we, we, we would get it into Sundance we get it all these other places but it's it's so, such a dense volume of information that the idea now is to sort of break it up as a docu-series you know and, and break it up into separate episodes but the concept of it is the, the title is An Inconvenient Faith Brandon actually came up with the title But the idea is that people are leaving the church, and why are they leaving the church? And they're leaving the church over historical issues they find troubling, or doctrines they find troubling, or it's too high demand a religion for them, or other kinds of things. And Robert went out and filmed interviews with everybody on the planet, practically, uh, who has any stake in the church. Uh, He he interviewed people who have left. He interviewed scholars. He interviewed Harry Reid before he died. That's one of the reasons I want to get it out, is that we have this great footage of Harry Reid talking about his faith that uh, Harry Reid never talked about his faith in public. And so we've got, I mean, there's all kinds of really wonderful stuff in here, and it goes by topic. Like, we talk about the controversy around the Book of Mormon, and the controversy around the Book of Abraham. We talk about race in the church. We talk about LGBTQ issues. Uh, we talk about uh, how it's a high-demand religion. We talk about just a number of different things. And each of those now we're talking about breaking up into individual episodes. And uh, I'm editing it. And I- I'm also in it. They've interviewed me. And, and so I, I'm trying to put it together. And so, uh, I, I mean, I can't give you any information about when it's going to come out or where it's going to come out or how it's going to come out. But, uh, when it does come out, I think it's going to have a big impact and it's got, you've got a lot of footage of Brandon talking about his faith, uh, which is something he's never done publicly. And so, uh, and I think that will, 
help attract sort of a wider audience to this. But uh, this is not a killer's project. It's not a musical project, although the very first shot of it is Brandon Flowers sitting at a piano just noodling. And he plays this lovely sort of melody. And that begins, as we were doing it, I went, I want this to begin the entire thing. I want this to be the opening shot. And, and right now it is. Uh, that may change, but uh, it's it, it's been a really fun experience. It's it's been a really rewarding experience, and uh, hopefully we I can tell you more about it uh, when we can actually release it. Is but it, we're not uh, there yet. Is there any social media or anything that people can follow you on to keep up with that that might be interested in that in the future? Uh, you know, Robert is very averse to social media for some reason. And I think Brandon is too. I just, I, I don't know. Brandon doesn't have a personal social media account as far as I know. Do the killers have a, have a, a Facebook page or anything like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah they do. Uh, yeah. We've interviewed their social media manager. He's from Nephi as well. Um, but uh, the oh, okay. fans are kind of uh, not upset, but they, they wish there was more social interaction. I think they're, they're kind of recruiting <clears throat> that way. So. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that they're just not comfortable with that. And I don't know. I, I've never pressed them on why. Uh, but right now, there isn't, there isn't a social media thing to follow. Uh, there will be once we, we see a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, right now, we just made the transition from a two-hour movie to these, these smaller segments. Is there somewhere they can just follow you personally? No, well, I, I can't. I don't want to get into a big, huge tangent, but uh, I've been involved in sort of defending the church, and that's made me a minor celebrity among people who are leaving the church, okay. which is, you know, a small segment of the universe. But uh, in that small segment, they know who I am. And a lot of them just ask to friend me on Facebook, and I pretty much accept any friend request. I'm just Jim Bennett. My Facebook handle is Stallion Cornell. And that's a long, weird story, too, which you don't need to hear. But uh, if they want to friend me, I'll probably accept their friend request, and then they'll get bored. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's my handle on Twitter as well, if they want to follow me on Twitter. Great. What about Tyler and Lachelle? Are there uh, other ways people uh, connect with you or other, other projects that you have going on? Tyler, I specifically want to ask you about your Pepper Tree Market group. Yeah, I mean, on Twitter, it's just the... The, uh, I think it's Pepper Tree Music is my handle on Twitter. Um, if you like the killers, you probably won't like us. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm not a super active Twitter user. Uh, usually it's, you know, if I'm taking a selfie with Brandon Flowers, then it's, it's Twitter worthy. But I do get on there and post every once in a while. Um, and then... Yeah, Facebook. I, I, I probably won't post anything killers related that anybody would care about. So <laughs> they're welcome to follow me, but they're, they're probably going to be bored, like Jim said. So Pepper Tree Market is uh, you and my sister. Yeah, sister that records or just play music. Yeah, so we, we live next door to each other. We moved next door to each other about uh, 12 years ago. And we're like, let's start a band. So it's kind of a pretend little band that we have. She comes over to my house, to my little uh, recording studio, and tons of fun, tons of fun. Good, good hobby. Uh, I think we've made like, you know, 
67 cents in revenue on YouTube. Um, <laughs> More than so, me. <laughs> not quitting the day job anytime soon, but uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Great. What about you, Lachelle? My musical involvement is basically just the choir and little side projects that I haven't put out. But yeah, not much worth <laughs> following, but just happy to be here. I'm Tyler. I'm Lachelle. I'm Jim. That's another episode down from Lonely Town. 